Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone, on the east coast of the United States, in the central region of the United States, and in California, as soon will be afternoon. My name is uh, Kennard Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. This program is for those people who really, truly want to know what the Bible says. What we will talk about today is the characteristics or the features or the traits of the last days as revealed in your King James Bible. If you look up the word last days, it talks about seven characteristics associated with those last days. I will talk about that in the entirety of this program. But first, um, as I always put uh, when I advertise uh, my program, that I will go over some significant world events. Um, Obama looks like he will be going to the Middle East. Uh, that was another rumor that uh, Yeshua prophesied. We hear rumors, uh, actually rumors of wars, but um, associated with war rumors is also political rumors. Uh, politics has everything to do uh, with wars as well or is associated with wars. So um, he it looks like that he will be going to Jerusalem despite the uh, issues that Netanyahu is having with trying to form a government. So it looks like that's going to happen here. Uh, let me find some key information here that I can read to you about that. One of the things that I wanted to read, let me see if I can find it here. Oh, here we go. Says Obama's trip to Israel is still on. This is uh, by USA Today. Says President, and this is by Amir Madhani of USA Today. Uh, this was written March 8, 2013. President Obama is going to Israel and the West Bank this month, regardless of whether Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is successful in forming a new government. So that I just wanted to read that to you. It looks like he will be going to Israel. People are making a real big deal about him going and he's supposed to be doing something around the same time that Yeshua did or around the time that Yeshua was in Jerusalem himself and people are speculating that this could be a big biblical event we don't know we just have to watch and see uh, let's continue on here and there's another article that I got from Arut Shiva, the Israeli National News dot com network, and it states here 
that Hamas, Obama visit the Temple Mount a declaration of war. So they're saying that if Obama actually visits the Temple Mount, then there would be a declaration of war from them. So we need to watch and see if he actually does that. Let's look at some other news here. It says Obama hence trip not meant to resume peace talks for those people who are saying that there's going to be a peace treaty uh, when he comes to Jerusalem. Looks like that's not going to happen. Uh, it says Obama hence Israel's trip not meant to resume peace talks. This is by Elad Benary. Uh, it was first published March 8, 2013, which is yesterday at 2.12 a.m., I guess uh, that's Israeli time. It says U.S. President Barack Obama on Thursday signaled there would be no big Middle East peace initiative on the table when he arrives in Israel later this month for his first visit as president, AFP reports. All right, so let, let's let's look at the facts, and I know people love to speculate when it comes to prophecy, but this is why Yeshua tells us to watch. Uh, and I'm going to read that, that scripture to you again after I get through with uh, covering the news here so that we understand that. Okay, so let's go to watch.org. There's some things I like to cover here. Watch.org. And this is World Watch Daily Koenig International News. It says, how credible are North Korea's threats? North Korea, again, they do this often, saying they're going to nuke the United States because they're not getting their way and all that. And it says right here, when it comes to talking a big game, no one does it better than the North Koreans. <laughs> That's true. Just this week, Pyongyang vowed to, vowed rather, to turn um, Seoul, the capital of arch-rival South Korea, Seoul, rather, into a sea of fire, promised to launch a preemptive strike on the headquarters of the aggressors and called on his army to an annihilate the enemy. Or Seoul, that's how you pronounce it. And and that's nothing new. The state-controlled Korean Central News Agency churns out similar fare daily. Most experts in Korea watchers believe the latest rhetoric is just the usual propaganda engine cranked up to 11. But if North Korea should suddenly move to make his threats a reality, how bad could it be? Are the North's nuclear bombs and ballistic missiles push-button ready? What about his massive tank and artillery forces? So that's the question. And it says, Brennan takes oath on draft constitution without Bill of Rights, which is interesting. Anyway, 70-strong Israeli coalition nearing completion. Ultra-Orthodox is not included. So Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has made considerable progress toward building what is set to be a 70-strong coalition. Sources close to the negotiations said Friday evening. They stress, however, that the key details had yet to be signed and nothing would be concrete until they were. All right, so that's that with that situation. This is interesting. Locusts arrive in Tel Aviv, northern Israel. Despite an additional round of insecticide spraying in the south, Saturday saw swarms of the reddish grasshoppers descend upon the country, with some successfully making their way out of the south and into the center and even northern parts of Israel. 
There were reports of locusts all the way from the, from the Negev in the south through Tel Aviv and Ben Gurion Airport, and even a few from Hafia, Naharaha, and Tiberias in the north. So that's that's pretty interesting there. What's going on with the locusts? So. I think I covered uh, everything here that I wanted to cover as far as uh, world news here with uh, North Korea and from what my wife told me that he's uh, thinking about attacking us with nuclear bombs uh, April 22nd. So let's watch and see if that happens. All right, so I want to quote a scripture here to begin this Bible study. Um, Mark chapter 13. Now, notice that, um, no, that's it. Uh, I guess I won't talk about that now. But anyway, Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Let's notice this. It says, But of that day and that hour knows no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son but the Father. Take ye heed. He's talking about the day of when he returns to the earth. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. So that's a very distinct statement there. And verse 34, for the Son of Man, I'm reading the King James, is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants. So that's the key. He gave authority to his servants. So his servants have authority. And to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. So he commands us to watch. That word in the Greek means to keep awake, to be vigilant, to be vigilant, to keep awake. Gregor Yahoo in the Greek, or Yuhu, like Yahoo. <laughs> Gregor Yahoo, or Yuhu, and it means to keep awake, that's in the Greek, that is watch, be vigilant. So we need to, to be awake, not only to world events, but also our spiritual condition. Verse 35, watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house comes. And he's getting really specific here. At evening, or at midnight, at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Verse 36, that not he suddenly uh, catch you sleeping. Verse 37, and what I say unto you, I say unto you all, watch. So we have to watch world conditions and also watch our spiritual conditions. Because what good is it if, if you know the secrets of prophecy and yet you're not changing as a person? Are you going to be able to avoid all the things that are going to happen? No, you're not. Not according to what Yeshua states. Uh, when we look at Luke chapter 21 again, Luke chapter 21, I'm going to read this in a... Bible and basic English version it says, "But give attention to yourselves, for fear that your hearts become overfull of the pleasures of food and wine, and the cares of this life, and that day may come on you suddenly and take you as a net." So let's uh, let's analyze this. What he's saying, he's saying that if you just focus too much on food and 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 pleasures and the cares of this life, you focus too much on your problems, and you let all these things overwhelm you so much that you forget about keeping the holy days of God. You keep, you forget about keeping up with world news in, in, in reference to prophecy. 
uh, you stop trying to overcome. You stop trying to become a better person, all because of uh, being focusing too much on food and, and pleasures and feeling good and, and, and focusing on your problems and all that. So he says when you do that, what's going to happen is that the day of his coming is going to come on you suddenly and take you as a net. Verse 35, for so it will come on all those who are living on the face of the earth. Verse 36, but keep watch at all times with prayer that you may be strong enough to come through all these things and take your place before the Son of Man. And so that, that, that this is what we have to do. And this word watch is a different Greek word, but it means the same, to be sleepless, uh, to keep awake. Agropneu in the Greek, and it means to, to be sleepless, uh, to keep awake. We can't let the problems of this world and the pleasures of this world cause us to, to just lose our minds. Uh, we can't do that, folks. And when you do that, you're not going to be close to God. And First John chapter 2, again, one of my favorite scriptures here, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, Yeshua did die on the cross for his creation, for people that are capable of repenting. He did die for for the world. Uh, if he didn't, this whole world would have been destroyed a long time ago, according to the scriptures. In particular, Matthew chapter 24, verses 21 to 22. If he did not come, all flesh would be destroyed. So, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, that means that the, the, the things in the world, the society and how we do things wrong, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he gets specific here. And 1 John 2, verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And verse 17, And the world passes away. All this stuff is going to pass away. So why focus on it? And the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God will abide forever. So you have to do his will to abide forever. So the onus is on you, not not God. You know, you don't want to mess up your opportunity that's already been paid for by the shed blood of uh, the Messiah. So let's let's understand that. And now, in the context of what I just quoted, as far as watching, I did an interesting Bible study several years ago, or a few years ago, anyway, and I said, let me look up last days the phrase in the King James Version and, and, and see what I come up with. So I'm going to do that now as I'm speaking to you. Uh, type in last days using uh, eSword, eSword.net. If you just go to eSword.net, E-S-W-A-R-D as in dog.net, you'll be able to download a free program, and you can actually do what I'm doing here. And so when I typed in last days and I chose the exact phrase. This program is capable of showing you every scripture in the King James Bible or any other version uh, of the Bible the where the phrase is located as far as the scripture is concerned. And when I looked up last days is in Genesis 49 verse 1, Isaiah 2 verse 2, and Micah 4 verse 1 Isaiah 2, verse 2, and Micah 4, verse 1 is talking about the same thing. 
Acts 2, verse 17, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, Hebrews 1, verse 2, James 5, verse 3, and 2 Peter 3, verse 3. And so we have seven uh, traits or characteristics that is spoken of in light or in reference to the last days. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, seven. And I'm going to go over those seven today so that you'll be, so that you'll understand that we are living in the last days. Okay, now I, I think I went over last week what last days means Hebraically, so I'm going to go over that again here. Pull up my Hebrew dictionary here. All right, the word last days in Hebrew means A-C-H-A-R-I-T-H-A-Y-A-M-I-M. That's Acharit Hayam. Acharit Hayam in Hebrew. Acharit Hayam, it literally means the end of the days. So it means the end times or latter days when the Olam Haza, that's the world that is right now, coming to a close, and Olam Haba is about to begin. So that's what that means. Now, let me uh, change back to my King James Version here. And in Genesis chapter 49, verse 1, is the first occurrence of the phrase the last days in the King James Version. And it says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourself together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. The last days are the 21st century. All right? And he's telling him, telling the 12 tribes of Israel what will befall them in these days that we're living in today. All right? Now, sometimes the last days start from in a, a later period or earlier period than the century we're in now, but still, last days means last days, and it covers all the way up until today. All right, so uh, in verse 2, Gather yourself together to hear, you sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. Now remember, Jacob's name was turned into or changed to Israel. Now, first he talks about Reuben. And to get detailed information, because I don't have the time to go into detail to how Reuben is France, okay? But uh, there's full, there's, there's ample evidence of this in Yeradavidi's book called The Tribes, The Israelite Oranges of the Western Peoples. I have the third edition. He has a fourth edition. Uh, I would implore you to get that book if you want to really <laughs> understand how Yah is in control of everything and and really understand the, the, the Bible prophecies in a way that you never have before. So I, I would implore and encourage you to get this book. You can go to his website, www.beasinboyritam.org, and, and get the book. Or I think he has enough information on his website where you didn't, wouldn't have to get the book. But, yeah, you know, it's a good book, and I would encourage you to get it. Anyway, Reuben. Thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. In verse 4, what it says about Reuben, who is identified as France, according to your Davidi studies, unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou went up to thy father's bed, then defiled it, and went up to my couch. 
So if you if you study, I just know a little bit about the history of France. France is certainly unstable as water, <laughs> and and there's a lot of other things about France too, as as covered in the, in the book. Um, but Reuben is identified as France. Uh, Genesis 49, verse 5. Simeon and Levi are brethren, instruments of cruelty are in inhabitations. O my soul, come not thou unto their secret, unto their assembly. My honor be not thou united, for in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel, and he certainly has. Simeon and Levi are the Jews of today. They are a part of the Jews. And they certainly have been scattered in Jacob. And Jacob is uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, which are described in this chapter, Genesis chapter 49, and, and they are scattered in Israel. Genesis 49, verse 8. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thy enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey, my son. Thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The scepter. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. What is the scepter? The scepter is um, a ruling rod. Okay? Shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. Into Shiloh, which most Biblical scholars understand to represent the Messiah shall come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Now, let's understand that the Messiah is described as a lion, and he is a Jew, and his people are Jews. So the tribe of Judah is identified today in the 21st century as Jews in these last days. Uh, Genesis 49, verse 11. Binding his fall into the vine and his ass is cold into the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. So that's a description of Judah, who are the Jews today. Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be in haven of ships, and his border shall be into Zidon. Now, who is Zebulun today? Zebulun are the Netherlands, and the Netherlands certainly dwell among the sea. Genesis chapter 49, verse 14. Issachar is strong, is a strong ass couching down between two burdens. And he saw that rest was good in the land, that, that it was pleasant, and bowed his shoulder to bear, and became a servant unto tribute. And tribute, that's a forced labor or tax. So Issachar, who is Issachar today, according to your Davidi's uh, accurate studies? Switzerland and Finland. That's Issachar today. All right, Dan. Genesis 49, verse 16. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels, so that his rider shall fall backward. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. All right, so Dan. Who is Dan today? Dan is Denmark. Next, Gad. Genesis 49, verse 19. Gad, a troop, shall overcome him. 
but he shall overcome at the last. At the last. Okay, so who is Gad? Gad is Sweden. Asher. Out of Asher, verse 20, Genesis 49, verse 20. Out of Asher his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. All right, so who are delicacies? So who is Asher today? Scotland. Genesis 49, verse 21. Naphtali is a hind let loose. He giveth goodly words. Naphtali is Norway. And last but certainly not least, Genesis 49, verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful ball, even a fruitful ball by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow or his bow, rather, abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From hence the shepherd, the stone of Israel, which is interesting, the stone of scone in Britain. But anyway, verse 25, Even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lie under, blessings of the beast, breast rather, blessing of the breast and of the womb, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors. And to the outmost bound of the everlasting hills, they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. So it looks like Joseph has a lot of blessings. And Joseph consists of two tribes, Ephraim, which is Britain today, and Manasseh, the United States. All this can be proved by going to Yair Davidi's website, www.bratm.org. B-R-A-T-I-M.org, I'm sorry. Now, who is Benjamin? Well, Benjamin is um, Belgium. It's the country of Belgium today. And it says, Benjamin shall... Raven as a wolf, in the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. In verse 28, all these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is that their father spake unto them and blessed them, and every one according to his blessing he blessed them. All right, so I just read that to you to understand that these twelve tribes who are identified as all those countries, let me name them again, France. The Jews, the Jews are scattered all over the place, but they do have a land called Israel today. The Netherlands, Switzerland and Finland, Denmark, Sweden, Scotland, Norway, Britain and United States, Belgium. These are all countries today that have elements of these tribes in these in, in, in times. And these are, are very prosperous uh, countries with the United States being the most prosperous country in all the world. And so your Bible says that these 12 tribes will play a significant role in the end times. And they are. And they will continue to do so. All right, so that's the first characteristic or feature, according to your Bible, of the last days. The second one is the temple of God. Uh, turn to Isaiah 2, verse 2. Isaiah 2, verse 2.
word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days, the days before the coming of the Messiah, that the mountain of the Lord's house, which is Mount Moriah, the temple mount, shall be established. Shall be established or properly erect. <laughs> or a, t- a built temple, you might as well say. In the top of the mountain it shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. So this is a prophecy that's telling you that the temple will be built and established. The temple mount will be established, or, or Mount Moriah, in the last days. In the last days, folks. And there's other scriptures that prove this. Uh, in particular, I went over this scripture last week in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. It states the following. That's going to happen in the last days. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. So your Messiah, the one you claim to believe in, states that there will be a holy place, a built temple in these end times. And Revelation chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and in the... And the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God and the altar. So there's going to be a temple of God, and there's going to be an altar, and them that worship there. And so three elements here, in reference to the 21st century, there will be a built temple of God, there will be an altar rededicated, and there will be people worshiping. What did I quote to you from Isaiah chapter 2? Let's go there again. Isaiah chapter 2, starting... In verse 2, actually I'm going to read verse 1 again, because I want to really explain this in a way where you understand. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jews. So this concerns Judah, the Jews, and Jerusalem. Verse 2, and it shall come to pass in the last days, the days of the 21st century, they were living in the day, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, on Mount Moriah, where the Temple Mount, that Temple Mount will be established, the Lord's house means the temple, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And then you read Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. And there was given to me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God, and the altar in them that worship therein. Verse 2, but the court, which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city, the entire city, not half of it, the entire city shall be thread underfoot 42 months. So people that are preaching that half of Jerusalem, the Palestinian, uh, they, they, they become a state, that means the tribulation has begun, not necessarily. It states right here that the entire holy city or Jerusalem shall be thread underfoot for 42 months. Sure, half of Jerusalem will be taken over, but that's a future event uh, culminating in the, the immediate return of the Messiah. And that's another Bible study. But anyway, uh, the point of the matter is, I'm trying to prove to you that the Bible reveals that there will be a built temple. There will be a built temple in these end times, ladies and gentlemen. And you need to watch, because it's happening. The 
Temple Institute. Uh, there's a program that I really encourage you to look at. That's going to happen on Sunday, March 10th. It begins uh, at 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for those who are on the East Coast, and it has other times on the website. But I implore you to go to this website. It's www.templeinstitute.org. That's www.templeinstitute.org. And really, it's a three-hour program, but it will give you information about why the temple uh, should be built in these end times and will be built in these end times. Uh, it's also a program that will show you how the new moon should be observed by the Israeli New Moon Society. And there's going to be other information. Uh, this one guy in, in the Israeli government, there's a lobby, is lobbying for the, the temple to be built and so forth. It's going to be some real good information. And then the website, it provides a lot of free information on the temple. And remember, the temple is, uh, the physical temple is a reflection of God's spiritual house in heaven the temple in heaven. And so we should want to know how our Father's house looks like. And he certainly wants us to know that. And we should be very interested in that. And he's provided means for us to really educate ourselves on the temple of God or the house of God through the Temple Institute. Okay, so... I hope that you understand, and then whenever you see this measuring and so forth, if you go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 40. So Ezekiel chapter 40, in verse 4, it says, And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold, with thine eyes and hear with thine ears, and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee, for to the intent that I might show them unto thee, thou bought hither. Declare all that you see to the house of Israel. So somebody should be declaring this. Verse 5, And behold, a wall on the outside of the house round about, and in the man's hand measuring reed of six cubits by the cubit and a hand breadth. So he measured the breadth of the building, one reed, and the height, one reed. All right, so the reason why I'm quoting this scripture because in the book of Revelation, it talks about an angel, or not an angel, but um, I think it's John, having a, a reed. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple. Okay. So in, in Ezekiel, you have an angel doing this, and, and it's in, in both cases, it's in reference to a built structure. So that's the reason why, that, that's a way to, to use the Bible to interpret itself. Whenever you see the, the measuring, read is talking about a built structure. In verse 5 of Ezekiel chapter 40, And behold, a wall on the outside of the house round about, and in a man's hand a measuring reed of six cubits long by a cubit and a hand breadth. So he measured the breadth of the building. The building is already built. That's why he's measuring it. One reed and a height, one reed. And then in verse 6, Then came he unto the gate, which looketh toward the east, and went up the stairs thereof, and measured the threshold of the gate, which was one reed broad, and the other threshold of the gate, which was one reed broad. And so he's measuring this whole structure here. And what what is going on here is Ezekiel chapter 1, as far as they're measuring all over again in Revelation chapter 11. So, And John is, is measuring the temple, and the altar, and the people. 
So I hope that you understand that the temple will be built in the last days, and that's why, obviously, God inspired the, the temple to have a significant role in these last days, the temple of God. Okay. What's the next thing that's significant in these last days, according to the scriptures? Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Let's turn there. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Acts 2, verse 17 states, And it shall come to pass in the last days, the days before the coming of the Messiah, says God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Now, that's what's going to happen when he comes back. But let's understand, this prophecy happened, uh, was partially fulfilled, and still is being partially fulfilled uh, in the first century. Uh, Acts 2, verse 16. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Let me give you some context here of this. Acts 2, verse 14. This is talking about Shavuot, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was given into uh, Yeshua's um, servants. Uh, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, or the West Bank, and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. Verse 15. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. So he's telling you that uh, this is uh, what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit, which was pictured by Shavuot. That is the the forerunner of what's going to happen eventually to everyone in the world when the Messiah comes and lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. The Holy Spirit will be given to everyone, and they'll be able to understand, and they, no one will be saying, no one will be preaching, no, the Lord anymore. That will be the fulfillment of the uh, renewed covenant. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. All right, so the Holy Spirit will be poured out among his servants and as we get to the time of the Messiah coming back, that spirit will be given out more to his servants. And even in the book of Revelation, it talks about the two witnesses. They're going to be doing all kinds of miraculous powers and have uh, miraculous abilities. And that's going to be all done by the spirit. There are going to be uh, men prophets and, and a few women prophets raised up. And they will be prophesying uh, as we uh, get toward the end of this age. That's what this is talking about. So that's another characteristic of the end of days, the last days, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It begins with the believers, but eventually the entire world will be will have the Holy Spirit poured out on them, the human beings that are left alive on the earth when he comes back. So they'll have the ability to understand the words of God. Okay. So. What is the next characteristic or feature or trait of the last days? Well, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, perilous times, perilous times, dangerous times. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, 
This know also that in the last days, perilous times, and that word perilous means kaios in Greek, and it means through the idea of reducing the strength, difficult, that is dangerous, fierce, time shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud. Let me read this in the um, Bible in basic English version. Second Timothy 3, verse 1. But be certain of this, that in the last days, times of trouble will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, uplifted in pride, given to bitter words, going against the authority of their fathers, never giving praise, having no religion, without natural love, bitter haters, saying evil of others, violent and uncontrolled, hating all good, false to their friends, acting without thought, lifted up in mind, loving pleasure more than God, having a form of religion, but turning their backs on the power of it. Go not with these. So, he's telling us to stay away from people like this. True believers should stay away from people that have uh, all these wicked characteristics here. But this, again, is a sign of the last days. And it's gotten to a point, ladies and gentlemen, where we are about to, it appears, that the Supreme Court of this country, uh, remember, we are prophesied as being the chief of the nations. And the the chief of the nations right now, the United States, is about to embrace homosexuality as they never have before. And it look it appears that is a good chance that the Supreme Court of the United States will pass a federal law stating that it's okay for two people of the same sex to get married in all the states. And when that happens, ladies and gentlemen, I know that God is not going to just blindly just walk away from that. He you gotta understand and I and I past two Bible studies I've been talking about this. What was the event that caused God to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? What was that event? Now, I went over last week what the sins of Sodom, because many people think that the sins of Sodom was just homosexuality. It was a lot more than that, ladies and gentlemen. A whole lot more than that. Uh, The sins of Sodom, as revealed in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 and 50, are the following. Failure to adequately help and care for the poor. Pride, eating too much, abundance of laziness, sexual perversion. That was all the sins of Sodom. But the one event that caused God to decide to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah was the, the, the homosexuality. And we are getting, not just in the United States, but around the world, we're really getting really bad with this homosexual behavior. So that's another sign in light of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, which the sins of Sodom are all covered in that, in those verses, most definitely. And and uh, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's definitely uh, homosexuality. Homosexuality, obviously, is pleasurable, and that's why they do that. And, and uh, that is one of the signs of the last days, that we are living in the last days, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, people don't read their Bibles like they should in this country. We have a Bible, but we don't believe it, and we don't read it like we should. We don't study it. So so we. this is another sign and a characteristic or feature or trait that we're living in the end times. So we are living in dangerous times right now, dangerous times sociably and and, and physically as well. Uh, we, we can't leave our car doors open uh, with the lock unlocked. Uh, we can't. Uh, I know 
80 or 90 years ago, someone in their homes, they could just leave their their uh, door open knowing that no one would come in and steal anything. We can't do that today. Everybody's paranoid today. Everybody is is always worried about something or they just can't calm down because they can't trust anybody. These people are very wicked today. As Yeshua stated here in Matthew chapter 24, he stated that the love of many shall wax cold, and, and that's what's, what's going on right now, ladies and gentlemen. That's, this is a sign of the last days, that the love of many shall wax cold. Let's see if I can find that here. It's in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, and he says, And because iniquity or lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And that's the heart of Second Timothy chapter three, verses one to six as well. So that's another characteristic or trait or feature of the last days. Our behavior, how we act, is is abominable before God. Okay. The sixth the sixth trait is great wealth accumulation of the 12 tribes. Now, I just read to identify to you who the 12 tribes were. And for all these countries, or these areas of where these tribes are, the tribes are scattered in other areas, but as far as geographical location, that's where they they're mostly are located, in those areas. And it's talking about, again, let me read off the following countries again to you. And I think this is the first time I actually I've identified all the tribes on this program. Uh, France, uh, the Jews, they're scattered all around the world. But they do have a land uh, where, they do have land where there's about at least, I think it's 7 million uh, Jews that live in the land of Israel. The Netherlands, Switzerland and Finland, Denmark, Sweden, Scotland, Norway, Britain, and the United States. And Britain, of course, that includes Canada um, and and, uh, the South Africa as well, and Australia, because uh, Australia is a part of the British Commonwealth. Okay, so in James, let's turn there, James chapter 1 states the following, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. So this particular epistle is addressed to all those countries that I name to you in these end times, ladies and gentlemen. And let me read another verse to you here. James 5, verse 3. Well, I'm going to read the context here. It says, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and wow for your miseries that shall come upon you. This is a prophecy, verse 2. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten, verse 3. Your gold and silver or money is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped up treasure together for the last days, the days before the coming of the Messiah. And that's a characteristic of all those geographical areas that I just mentioned. Uh, United States is the richest country in all the world, and a lot of those other countries, they, they are rich too, because they've been blessed. They are God's people uh, of the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes are God's people. And this particular epistle is addressed to them. And if you read the whole epistle, 
you can tell that it's talking about us and how we act, that we can't keep our mouth shut in James chapter 3, that we have a problem with taking care of the poor. That's revealed in James chapter 2. In James chapter 4, we have a problem with warring. We like to war or we... You know, the United States, we have military bases all around the world, basically. We try to police the world. We have an issue with that. And, of course, in James chapter 5, it talks about how rich we are. And it talk, in verse 4, Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, cries. What was the stock market crash about that started in 2008 by fraud? And the cries of them which have leaped into the ears of the Lord of the uh, armies. Verse 5, you have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in the days of slaughter. We have the most billionaires in in the United States. Verse 6, you have condemned and killed a just, and he does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Again, this is a sign of the coming of the Lord. When countries have, have... have uh, raised up wealth for the end of days. In other words, these countries have never been as wealthy. Uh, it's never been as much wealth in this world anyway as, as these countries have right now as I'm speaking. Verse 7, because it states here that you have heaped treasure together for the last days, indicating tremendous wealth that these countries have, in particular the United States. And verse 5, you have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanton. And, you know, wanton, that's, that's a word, I think, for, for lust. Uh, live in pleasure. No, that means to live in pleasure. And, and we do, don't we? To the point of where we're embracing homosexuality now. Verse 6, you have condemned and killed the just, and he does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren. He's telling us to be patient. The elect, the remnant out of the, the tribes, that's us. Unto the coming of the Lord, behold, the husbandman waited for the precious fruit of the earth, that's us, and have long patience for it until he receives the early and latter rain, which is a picture of the holy days, which is another Bible study. But anyway, but be ye all patient, be ye also patient, and establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws near. This is in the context of all this great wealth accumulation, but yet in the context of great um, uh, inequality. And there's another scripture, too, to add on to this that I can quote in in Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30, uh, where it says, There is a generation, verse 14. Proverbs 30, verse 14. There is a generation whose teeth, are as sores and their jaw teeth as knives that devour the poor from off the face of the earth and the needy from among men. This divide of the rich and the poor began uh, during the Industrial Revolution back in the 1800s. Uh, prior to that, most countries were at, were at the same level financially, uh, socioeconomically. In this modern era, the 1800s was significant. And that's what began all this industrialization, people not uh, being agrarian anymore, not having their farms, uh, and now our farms are the grocery store. And that that really has caused all this rich and the poor thing uh, to be such a significant problem, so much so that 
uh, the poor is being devoured off the face of the earth and the needy from among men. And it's, it's really a sad situation, and it's so bad. Let me go to my website here. I have information here about the poor, and anybody that claims that they're a servant of God should be concerned about the poor and should be praying for them every day. But uh, in, let me take a look here on my website, uh, Poverty Facts. You can go to my website if you want to understand the facts of poverty. Proverbs 29, verse 7 says that uh, if you are a servant of God, if you care about it, you will be concerned about the cause of the poor. But anyway, uh, on this website that I clicked on, globalissues.org, it says almost half the world, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day. So that, that confirms that prophecy in Proverbs 30, verse 14. That that's, it proves that we're living in the end times, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so... Um, The last point I want to make is people doubting the return of the Messiah. Second Peter 3, verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Walking after their own lust. And just doubting that the Messiah is coming. And then in Hebrews 1, verse 2, the other uh, point that I want to make, the Messiah is speaking to his servants. says, that God in these last days has spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So we are getting revelation from the chief apostle. Hebrews 3 verse 1 says that the Messiah is also an apostle. And he is giving us revelation and helping us to understand these scriptures. And I have someone here that would like to talk here. Okay, you're on the air. Yes, hello. Shalom. Yes. Shabbat shalom. Shalom. Yes, um, I was listening a bit earlier to, well, I'm sorry that I, I apologize for not having been on, let's just say to listen to you more than say about 10 minutes. Okay. But I caught toward the uh, latter end of the show, and there's something I thought that might be a very, very important issue to be considered uh, with regard to the latter days, um, particularly Isaiah 2610. Mm-hmm. And Daniel 12 and 10, mm-hmm. as it's related to Joel 3rd chapter. Uh, well, second going in the 3rd chapter, actually. And one of the things that I find very important is this. You have to consider that it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, come to pass in the last days, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance to the remnant whom the Most High has called. Number one, we have to realize the kingdom of the Most High that he's speaking of shall be established on this earth at Jerusalem. I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. The other thing to realize what it means by deliverance at that time, because if you read closely through uh, Revelation 7th chapter mm-hmm. and Revelation 14th chapter, one of the things you find out is that there is going to be indeed great wrath upon all nations who, have, who, are, who are unwilling, I said unwilling, to accept the absolution that Messiah will bring when he declares an absolute beyond all the multitude of uh, nations and denominations and varieties of ideology, mm-hmm. uh, pure and impure and imperfect, that the world has exalted. Because, quite frankly, men have indeed, uh, as Scripture says, perverted the grace, the grace of the Most High. Yes, they, yes, yes, they have. Yes, yes, it's, just, and uh, it's terrible right now. It is. It's absolutely terrible. But most have not realized the grace of the Creator 
is that he reveals his law to the fullness. He says he will write his laws upon the minds and hearts. And I've oftentimes related in the context that uh, it says that men will no longer confuse one another after the ways of the nations, but they all shall know uh, Messiah himself as a restoration or as a renewal of a covenant that uh, should never have been forgotten by men. It's always been remembered by the Creator. Uh, I would concur to a lot of things that I did hear you say toward the uh, end of this show. But I think one of the things that needs to be considered definitively is Isaiah 26.10. It said, let favor be shown to the wicked. And we know the word there is the same thing for lawless, for those who prefer unrighteousness or less than the whole standard. Yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness will he deal unjustly, and he will not uphold, behold the majesty of the Lord. Uh, another scripture in Daniel uh, 12.10 talks about how in the last days many shall be purged. They say, some say, make wide and tried, refined. Sounds so much like uh, Isaiah 48 chapter says he will refine his people because they sworn by his name, but not in truth nor in righteousness. Right, and you, you, no, right. We, Israel, Israel will be refined, and they, and they, you know, unfortunately, the you know the common human condition is that we have to get spanked. And right. uh, in Isaiah um, 26 verse 9, it, it states that uh, when the judgments are on the earth, that's when people will learn righteousness. Exactly. Here's the point that I think is so important about all this. Uh, it says, men will be purged, refined, purged and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly. And those right. wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. Exactly. I think one of the problems that by and large exists is that many of us have not considered what is uh, written in Second Peter, Second Keeper, if you will, um, Second Chapter, the first 11 verses. It talks that we should be diligent, diligent that we make election sure, opportunity understanding sure. Messiah said, always be watchful. And right. it's obvious that though... He will pour out his spirit. It's obvious that what he's speaking to is not a people who still want to abide by and uphold the status quo. In other words, Messiah said these words. He said, I make no request for the, ultimately he means the worldly. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, desire to maintain, preserve, and publish all that is the truth of the conscience that he revealed. And he said he would reveal himself. It means ultimately to his allies to speak all his words. Right. Uh, John seventeen nine, seventeen nine also relates to said, uh, I make no request for the worldly. So I think one of the problems that by and large exists is since we realize that not everyone is going to awaken. Oh, I know that. I, I know that. And then he, he's calling uh, right now people to be a part of his bride. You know, uh, that's who he's calling right now. You know, but the world, that's later. Everyone else is later. But right now he's calling us to be a part. Uh, of his bride. Now, here's the problem, though. Most have completely ignored the direct parallels that exist between particularly uh, Isaiah 48 and Isaiah 43 mm -hmm. relative to the 6th and 7th, particularly 612 through 717 of Revelation and the 14th chapter of Revelation. Okay. Most have not understood. And that scripture really talks about one called the angel from the rising sun. As you well know, the word angel it's also a word for messenger. It also is a word for right. king. Right. It says angel from the rising sun. Well, that's the same one spoken of in uh, Isaiah 41st chapter, and most haven't really decoded it because it really means what they scripture say, I've stood on one from the north. The word for north is also concealed. In other words, he is one who reveals righteousness, even the righteousness that the world is concealed, if you get my point, to the sun. Right, and, and, I, and I apologize for this. i, I got to interrupt you because we don't have too many <laughs> seconds left for the show. But I appreciate you calling in, and you can call in next week, and we can 
you know, discuss this further if you like. That's something that we need to look at because until we realize that there's someone who's to, who's to declare an absolute to decide who receives the seal of life, if you understand what I'm saying, right. until we recognize that, our faith has still been in our own vanity. And it's not looking forward to the coming of the one that he said to look forward to. When right. he said, who stood up this righteous one? Okay. Oh, you, you're still on the air then. You're on recording now, I guess, because uh, you know, other people can't hear us. So anyway. <laughs> I got you. But that's that's okay. When when they listen to the archive, they'll be able to hear you. So. Well, I can only say that on last, I, I, I too have a show on Blog Talk, and I've been looking at those things for the last couple of nights. Because they are not to be ignored, especially in preparation for Passover. Because let's be real about it, the comments, if you want but to. It sounds to me like comments. it sounds to me like because you know a lot of my people that call, they just they don't have a clue about. It, it seems like you do understand what Torah means. You understand that we should be keeping the Sabbath and holy days, right? Well, you know what? It sounds very crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Messiah said, "Go forth and teach all nations." We understand the word for teach is also discipline. Yeah, and exactly. if people cannot be disciplined as one, if they seek to, let's just say, anarchistically mm-hmm. bring about a revolution against what the Creator has already declared is a word from the beginning eternal. So exactly. to talk about the idea about, well, think about the scripture in Malachi. It said you discern the difference between those who serve him and those who serve him not. Mm-hmm. Some are not ready with the type of humility to see what the Creator has already predestined brought to bear. So they serve themselves, and in, in effect, what they do is cut themselves off from the greater revelation of the Spirit, because he did say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good tidings to the meek. Right. There's words out there that only for the most humble souls, and most have not considered them, simply because, hey, we live in a society where, think about it this way, where I've often told people, say it sounds insane when you think about it. Everybody's got a new covenant. We got a new covenant because we're American. We got a new covenant because we're Spanish. We got a new covenant because we're Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic. And everybody got a different covenant. That is no covenant. It is no agreement. So you keep the Passover and the Holy Days, right? I, I think if we understand the scriptures and you can't change anything the Creator has declared, that's an obvious. That's a oh, gift. Well, it's obvious to you. <laughs> but a lot of people is not. You know, a lot of the. You know, people that have been raised in Protestant churches and Catholic churches and, and so forth, they they taught that the law is done away with. And, well, we understand that the status quo of Western imperialism right. doesn't want people to see an absolute. And that is exactly. what it's all about. Right. And we have to realize when the scripture says, purge out the old leaven, they put down the words new and old, but that's, a, that's also something I think that was put there as a contrivance. What yeah. it means is put out whatever is spoilage and be renewed by whatever is all that is pure. And the leaven is ultimately all the misconceits that are the pollutions of the nation. Yeah, that's a good way to understand it, too. Yeah, it's, it's wickedness and also the deception, you know, could be absolutely. along the I line mean, of that as well. No, I, I mean, it's amazing. The first command is the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord is one. Right. And all who be called by his name be one when everybody walks according to their own opinions. I mean, the just. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm going to give another program on that issue, you know, with. Um, I, it sounds to me like you're messianic too, and what I'm Absolutely. what I'm finding out, huh? What you say? Absolutely, I'm messianic. Okay. I mean, right. I don't see how the scripture can say anything else. I mean, right, that's great. You know, and, and see, I'm I'm having an issue with um, other messianics. I don't know if you you feel this way too, but it's like when you start to understand that Yeshua was a was a Jew, and and oh, we need to understand the Bible Hebraically. Uh, and before you got to that understanding, you're like, okay, the New Testament's okay, uh, the Old Testament's toilet paper. Well, what I'm starting to find out now is when when, when people start to embrace the Hebraics of, of the 
uh, of the Bible itself, then it starts to get into the reverse mode. It's like, okay, well, the New Testament is toilet paper now, but the Tanakh is, yeah. And, and and that's that's what I see now. And you're gonna, I feel that that's that's a big problem there because Yeshua in, in John chapter 12 stated that he came to give us the Father's words, okay, and and the Father's words are. Yeah, <laughs> are important, just as important as a Tanakh. Okay, so, so yeah, and 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 see, see, and you have some people thinking that the New Testament is not scripture; it's just a commentary. Well, what is scripture? It's holy writ. Okay, and and the the Father's words is certainly holy. And and Yeshua came to give us the Father's words. Matter of fact, he said he didn't say anything unless it was from the Father. And if he said he didn't come to abolish or pervert in any right. way, right. what gives anybody else the authority? Because when he right. said go forth and teach all nations that he had the authority, that was subverting all the kings as well, right. whoever it is that would believe in it. Right, so, right. And, and, then, the, then, and then some people don't think that Shaul's um, writings aren't scripture. And in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, it states that it is. You know, And, and there's other areas, too, where you can improve that as well. Uh, so I'm going to give a program on that to get that clarified. Something real because... simple, sir. Something real simple. I think that, that, that has helped a lot of people understand that when I've spoken to them. Mm-hmm. Something that may help them understand real quickly. Before the gospel, or per se, the gospel went forth to the nations, mm-hmm. you got to remember something. I mean, there was an expectation of a coming Messiah throughout the East long before 2,000 years ago. Exactly. I mean, they had spoken it. Right. And the East had this idea about a coming absolver, if you will, where the West did not. Mm-hmm. So we see a tremendous conflict there. But I've oftentimes told people, when the scripture talks about the law of this world, stop and consider how much uh, under political and national and even pseudo-religious titles, men are compelled to accept a multitude of contradictions against the creator's will, which is that law of sin and death because it's filled with contradictions. He said the, the promise is not unto many, but unto one. Not unto one. Many seeds are many different types of doctrine, but unto one. Faith restored gets rid of all the debate and doubt. Another thing that I find is really important is most people need to realize, what did people call law? What did the pagans call a law? But it, if it wasn't a social coalescence, if you will, with all the heathenisms of whatever God, and the people turn around and say, we worship whatever God we will. That was the rule of Rome for the sake of what they call Pax Romana. So what we need to understand, what Scripture says, not under the law but under grace, if we know the grace of the Creator reveals by His mercy the righteous expectation we should have by faith, then we understand that by His grace He removes, let's say, man's predisposition in this world to accept a multitude of contradictions, knowing that there's only one word of life, and it is constant from the beginning. And that's exactly what John 1, 1 through 3 says. So you got to also consider that uh, the pagans didn't have a word to relate the difference between divine law and man's law. I mean, if you look at it real closely, the pagan kings didn't want a word to lay a rule back greater than their own. And in fact, they were, many, many respects, you can say, like power brokers. They sit back and say that they were kings, that they had the opportunity to sit back and say, well, most of the gods, most of the gods favor them. So if you worship them, high, they exalted themselves above all things, then at the end of the day, they said that they were the ones who were ultimately being worshipped. It was a right. trick. There's a difference between the law of spirit and life and the law of sin and death. By innately, uh, what's written in uh, Romans 8 chapter, it says the carnal mind is enmity against the law of the creator. Most have never considered that the law of the creator is absolute order between not just man and his creator, but everything in everything creation. 
everything right. in order after the mind of the Creator. That's why the Scripture says the whole creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of Yah. If we right. understand that concept, then we realize that the spirit that we should receive is one that desires to see the exact same order upon which the Most High set all things in order from the beginning, that we might be coalescent with it. Messiah will ultimately say, according to uh, Isaiah 48, he will say ultimately that he is that word, uh, that word that is from the beginning, that, let's put it this way, he didn't obscure it, man has sought to. But the oh, day yeah. will come when all eyes will see that glory. I agree. I agree totally. And it's time saying. to wake up. It's, it's, it's there the whole time. It's not like it's new. It's just we have, by and large, not been taught to consider it because we sit back and say, well, status quo doesn't accept it. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that Rome sought to silence. And if we read Isaiah 41st chapter uh, throughout, and we read also Isaiah 24th chapter in the Aramaic, there are things that are written there, like this, I call them the secret city, the secret city prophecies. Uh, Thank God to who Messiah is when he said he's the uh, written offspring of David, the bright morning star. And most right. don't understand the word Samach and right. the word Anatolia and the word Danka in the context of what those words really declare. When you say the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star, who is the morning star? And I don't mean the faker that, you know, tries to claim the title in Isaiah, that some people say in Isaiah 14. He is the true one that casts out all the darkness. That will appear like this is a, a light that uh, a world has sought to obscure for so very long. Yep. Well, it won't be too much longer. Uh, I really, the way things are going right now, so this key thing, this gay stuff and all that, that that's that's what's really, um, I know that's angering y'all, and eventually he's going to show people that he doesn't appreciate Obama embracing oh, this. please. Oh, please. I can only tell you there's a bunch of times that I have been in my sleep, falling asleep sometimes, and maybe, uh, you know, sometimes I just check out what see people are seeing, and I might fall asleep a little bit examining people's doctrine. And there have been times that I've heard something said just barely in my sleep that was out of line, and I know that to protect my mind, the Creator, in the instance, has given a dream, a complete dream and vision, saying, showing all the millions of ways why that statement was a falsehood mm-hmm. by declaring an absolute, by declaring, you know, hey, what does the Scripture say? Line upon line, precept upon precept. Most yeah. are not aware of what that Scripture is saying, that most only see words learned by rote. But there's a principle called Makshava. And it relates to the idea about seeing more beyond all the divisions, not drawing hasty conclusions, right. but the Creator revealing by His Word the initial vision that was in the mind of the writer. Because think about it the word read, read, receive. If you're not seeing the initial idea, it's a, it's a sin. And the only right. way we can is by His Spirit, period. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we live in a society that, for the most part, most of us are not examining these things knowing that that's our life. That's our life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the only chance we have to hold on to anything. And not realizing that oftentimes because society has played the trick. You know, like the scripture says, like society has played the trick. Say, hey, the wicked are well set up. So why do we keep the ordinances of the most high? Well, right. the, the scriptures there make it kind of plain why you should. Because he never said he would covenant the perversions or the pollutions of this world. Never. So uh, if we're wise, that realization comes quickly. I can only tell you that I remember when I first read the scripture that says something about the idea about not keeping the law of the creator, having already heard his voice. That sounded insane to me. 
And he absolutely told me straight out, if I could believe that the diversities and contradictions, debates and doubts that this world calls wise are any, by any means a manifestation of his spirit, he told me I could not be a disciple to him. So that kind of put things in perspective. Yeah, well, hey, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying, and you know, I, when he talks about the world, of course, he's talking about people who have the capability of repenting. Um, so um, we we know, and when he says don't, he's not praying for the world. <laughs> you know, what he's talking about people that mm-hmm. are incapable of repenting, that has made a decision that they just don't want to obey. Well, uh, let's be clear yeah, about so. that. Worldliness is a desire yeah. to maintain confusions for you know selfishly ambitious purposes. Yeah, exactly. And that can never be part of a covenant. Exactly. I mean, he said, comfort ye, comfort ye, repent ye, repent ye, my people. And he said, ultimately, that your warfare be accomplished. If we all walk according to that pure, perfect spirit that he declared from the beginning, a lot of the contentiousness that have come to exist in the world never would have been. In other words, what I'm saying about that is this. The Creator did not sanction everything that caused man to fall short of his glory. He did not sanction everything that brought about the warfare and the debate and doubt in this world. He's not, if you want to call it that. No, uh, he, human beings have done God. that. They've made their decision to go against him. You know, it's like in Deuteronomy 28, there's blessings, and people don't talk about the blessings of keeping the Torah. Uh, and of course, there's cursings. And and uh, when 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 people don't obey Torah, there's curses. And unfortunately, well, it's, how can then, how can you how can you divide one and expect to be called it to be called a blessing? I mean, <laughs> the whole law is about all things being one. As soon as you yeah. start. The, taking that into some lesser ideal or uh, some perversion or pollution, like he told me, if ever a man is subject to any conscience less than his, it is trouble, it is tribulation, right. it's sin, right. it's vision, it's a curse. That's yeah. simple. Yeah, sin is the transgression of the Torah. That's what it states, you know. So, um, and, and people just don't understand. See, we understand, like in America, we understand we have all these laws. We have more laws than than, yeah. or, than the God has in the Bible. Right, God has in the Bible, and uh, and yet uh, we don't have a problem with those those regulations. Well, the question they ask is the laws that they created have they considered the Creator? Yeah, and exactly. The false hope. Yeah, but we have a problem with keeping His instructions. See, so <laughs> that's just crazy. Yeah, but well, just crazy. I mean, think about it. I mean, yeah. I'll tell you something else. He told me one morning to put the names in perspective. He said that no one, no one has the right to rule, but in giving respect for his authority. And that's the reason why a lot of kings and rulers are going to have to be disposed, to be deposed. The question to ask, when the scripture says, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, it's talking about by his spirit transcending all the nations and all the various uh, partial standards. Because quite frankly, the scripture tells us when Messiah appears, every single standard on this earth is going to be found in some need of repair. I mean, I look at Psalm uh, 116, 10 through 11. I believe, therefore, I declare, mm-hmm. hey, that all men in so many ways have been deceived. I believe, therefore, I declare. And he said really means he was, let's just say, mistreated. But truly, I am thy servant. In other words, I believe, therefore, I spoke. In other words, if you realize the system is a lie, that is the beginning of reverence for Yah. Because you can't respect him believing that a polluted and diverse and contradictory system is true to his name. Mm-hmm. That's the beginning of wisdom. You have to have a... He said respect, that's a reverence point. That's a reference point, R-E-V-R-E-F, same letters in a lot of language. There has to be a reference point, and that begins with realizing that his name declares he is one. 
He is not a God of men's imaginations. And what people have done to try to, let's just say, confuse people that everybody's got a God of their nation or a God of their church or a God of this, that, and the other, it's not the light. It's simply not the light. It doesn't have any variableness in the light that. Right. But uh, he, I, I just know for this for, for, for an absolute that if the Creator wants to get a hold to a soul, he can make it pretty plain that he's not playing, that he's very much so for real. Like he told me, I, one time I said something, and I thought I was giving him a compliment, and I didn't realize it was out of line. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious, because you don't know that you're saying something out of line until sometimes he corrects you. Well, anyway, I remember one time he corrected me, and I said something. Lord, I said, amazing. Cause I, actually, I was in meditation, and he was just steadily just relieved, revealing himself. After about 30 minutes, I said, Lord, this is awesome. You know, everything going on in my head. Now, understand something. This is 30 minutes of him, me asking a question. He tell me a billion reasons why something is so in a matter of split seconds. So you know that's not ordinary. Okay, and I said something stupid like that. And, he, and it's like everything just stopped. I mean, everything just stopped. This beautiful flow and this beautiful conversation just stopped. It just halted. Well, he kind of, he, it's almost like he could have actually got angry enough to knock me down, to be honest with you. But it's kind of like you deal with a child. You know, if I do this, you're not going to get your chance to grow up. And you are trying, so <laughs> we're going to deal with you. Well, what he told me is this. He said it's plain and simple. He put it kind of like I might have heard my grandparents or somebody said. He said, look, it ain't nothing that I understand what's going on in that little picky unit little head of yours. Anything that comes out of that mind of yours is ever worth anything or ever is will be worth anything in it. He said, I have to put it there. He said, there's nothing that I understand what's going on in that little picky unit little head of yours. He said, what's awesome is you begin to listen and understand what's going on in mine. I said, yes, Father. <laughs> I got you. I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> so we at a very critical juncture. And what I pray for is that most will hear that kind of thing because let me tell you something. He does know how to discipline a heart. And one of the things he told me is this. Uh, I need to put it another way. It's kind of reminiscent of Isaiah 40. What he basically told me is this. I was reading one time. I remember this. Reading and I, man, I was getting a lot of stuff that, you know, just say a lot of people aren't privy to. I'm not saying that I wasn't. I was getting a lot of information. But if I were to compare what I know now compared to what I knew then, say, five or six years ago, I mean, that's a few universes of shift. But I could only say this. I was getting information. But he told me in the midst of all my rejoicing that I thought I was getting something, he told me these words. He said, either you can seek for all my will or you can stop right now because I won't accept anything less of you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That kind of stopped me in my tracks, hurt my heart. But what that made me think about was this. If he says that there's a need to understand even greater secreted things, that's exactly what it is. And one of the things he told me was these words. He said, you have some important things for me to do. And he said, because of what you have to do, you're going to accrue some very powerful friends as well as enemies. But he said to me, in doing for me what I ask of you, you will have my protection and guidance. I asked him what that was. He said, you would tell them things that men have done everything they could from the dawn of human fall to hide and now perverse silence and destroy. Think about it. He told me prophets are sent to speak what others would not. And there are some abundance of secrets that man is going to be held accountable. If we are going to be true to what is written, when he said we must comprehend with all the saints what is the height, depth, and breadth, one Lord, one faith, one baptism to the full measure and stature of Messiah himself, but nothing else is in agreement. That might sound like a profound thing to a lot of people, but, I mean, how else are we to agree? You're going to sit back and say we agree with some of what he said and call it belief? No. 
It doesn't work that way. Yeah. We have to prepare to, be, to grow every day. We said they will wait for him to renew their strength. Well, it's looking forward to the one who teaches that truth that is beyond all the various institutions, political and social. Like I said, 30,000 denominations out here. Oh, it's just ridiculous. It's just a bunch of confusion. Absolutely. So what, is, what else is it saying? But that till he comes, what does the scripture say? Have you not heard, have you not understood that there's no, if you want to put it that way, calculation of all that is his understanding? That means we should always be looking till the day which is called the day. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> That's going to be a wonderful day. Institutions are not telling people that. No, of course not. At a certain place, they want to sit back and say, well, that's sufficient. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, frankly, some people have gotten quite sedentary. But you can't sit back and say, okay, this is the dimension in which I've grown. This is all I know, so that's all there is. Because you not only snare yourself, you snare a lot of other folks and wind up being called an adversary. Right. And they have to wake up and realize what faith is. And the definition the world is given of such words as grace, faith, even love, is way, way off. One, our obvious, as you know, relates to love for all that is divine will. Well, agape can't love in absolute, so how can it be love of God? Mm-hmm. can't be. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, hey, I, I'm going to have to let you go here, and I, I appreciate uh, you, you calling in. Thank you. And, uh, and you can call in, uh, you know, whenever I get the program, if you like, and uh, discuss uh, other topics. So. Yeah, well, like I said, check out, uh, well, like I said, uh, there's a place on Blog Talk, a Hidden Gospel, uh, Hidden Gospel Reveal. My name is Eddie Mia. Oh, okay, so um, it's Hidden Gospel? Yeah, Hidden Gospel Revealed, and uh, my name is Eddie Mia. And I was only sit back and tell folks, say, hey, look, there's some things on a website of mine. Actually, you can find it at uh, HiddenGospel.com. It's also... Uh, oh, HiddenGospel.com. Yeah, IsraelLight.com is spelled with a Y and the L-I-G-H-T, and also uh, uh, HiddenIsrael.com, because there are things that are going to have to be recovered if the all who say they believe are willing to love one another yeah. enough to sit back and say that beyond ourselves there's still one greater and we seek the greater truth for, for the blessing of us all. That's the covenant. That's the Shema in so many ways in a nutshell. Okay. But you know, we live in a society where people oftentimes want to sit back and exalt themselves. Well, you can humble yourself unto that growth when you realize that, guess what? He's still going to be the supreme one. Ha ha. Remember that. Don't ever forget it. Yeah, I'm, I'll check out your website. Please do. Uh, there's an article called uh, Secret City Prophecy. It's very important. Another one called uh, Early Church Origin. Very important. Uh, Covenant. Promises revisited, or that the covenant is a promise, it's not new. Okay. <laughs> yeah, things like four early centuries of great tribulation, because most people don't realize he talked about a great tribulation in that time that 60 million were killed. And after that, there was a rise of false prophets, and we need to understand what that means to us today relative to Revelation uh, 6 to 7 chapter. Who so all your, all your articles are on the right side of the... Uh... Yes. Okay. All right, I see that. And it explains the white horse rider versus, you know, because really they say the four horsemen, they act like they're together. You know, the white horse rider is different from the red horse and the black horse and the pale horse. Right. And uh, Matthew 24 makes that pretty plain if we're willing to look. Yeah, if we're willing to believe what he said, you know, so that, that's the key too, you know. So That's huge. Yeah. I mean, but what else are you to believe? Well, people have a problem with that, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, that's, that's carnal mind, but, you know, the Scripture still says that carnality is going to be broken. 
Yeah. But I tell people that in Romans 3, what it's really saying is whatever the law, the Torah said, instead of those who have fallen short of that glory, that every mouth might be silenced and every man realize, let's just say, his guilt or where he's been blind before the Creator. It shuts every mouth. Well, that's exactly what the Scripture says is going to happen. For all that we know, there's going to be another dimension that everybody's going to have to consider if we're going to get on the foundation again. Isaiah 25, 1 through 3 through 10 says it. Revelation 16, 12 through 21 says it. Most people don't realize that king of the east, he says, behold, I come, is actually Messiah himself. It's pure been singular, not plural. But uh, like I said, drying up of the rivers, Isaiah 45, 4, 1 into 45. It's time to wake up and realize how all these things connect. I mean, the, the spirit of the creator does more than just give you word by rote. It shows you the vision to see how all these things work together. In the Aramaic, rather than saying such things as uh, the scriptures not have any private interpretation, it says, amongst other things, as in addition to that, it actually says in the Aramaic that not everything that a prophet says is contained in his own book, which means this Messiah is going to ultimately bring about a restoration according to all things the Most High spoke to the prophets since the world began. It means that we're going to have to see that cumulative vision, and that requires something from him. It's not going to come just by saying, okay, we read it, because the mind does not, let's just say, we don't function uh, spiritually in a dendritic manner if you want to call it that, neural network matter, to see how all those tendrils then connect until he reveals what is that fine tapestry. And, uh, hey, to taste it is to want it if you've got anything in you that is rational. Well, hey, I, I enjoyed the conversation. And, um, hey, you, you can always call me, and I'm going to, um, you know, when I get the show here, and I'm going to go ahead and review your website. All right, you're very blessed, sir, and I thank you for that opportunity because, you know, I know that this this, this time is very late. It's these are the type of things that should not be ignored. I mean, I understand what the status quo does to try to, you know, cause people to function after vanity. Uh, that's just, just a bunch of puffed up words or shallow sightedness, having words and not understanding what they mean. But, uh, hey, the creator still going to judge according to what he knows they meant and what we should have always sought for because it's, right. it's not time to... Let's just say, remember what should never have been forgotten. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But hey, shalom, and uh, shalom. hey, shalom. look forward to speaking to you again sometime. And thank you so very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. No problem, sir. You're very blessed. All right, shalom. Good.